in? Well, have you said yes to both of those things? And there's a good chance you're probably a little tired of our local Cleveland Brown sports media. Same old thing, day after day, night after night. It's time to hang the cleats up. It's time to pass the torch. If you're looking for something fun, something fresh, something where four people literally smack themselves in the face over and over with hot take after hot take, then my boys at Down With The Browns is where you want to be. It's just good for your soul. Available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Twitter. Getting down with the Browns. <laughs> Hello, good evening, and welcome to another episode of Down with the Browns. Great to be Guys, here. Guys, how, are you, how, so how are you feeling? How are we feeling on this Wednesday evening after losing to Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football? Uh, yeah, no comment. <laughs> I hate the fact that I have to wear not this to, stuff. Um, you, you know, not not to quote James from TikTok, but what happened? What happened is correct. Listen, we, we have a tough task, and that task is to try to go over the monstrosity and then also highlighting some good things. Because there were well, some good things. There were some, there good, were some good, things. good things. There were some good things. It just wasn't so, on the offensive side of the ball, but there were some good yeah, things. That's for sure. That's for sure. But at least we'll try our best to lift everyone's spirits with a wonderful, wonderful segment. Uh, obviously, I'm not Christian. Uh, KFC down too many energy drinks after the loss. Uh, so he is currently, uh, you know, just somewhere trying to pump his stomach. So uh, I will be hosting. So... <laughs> With that being said, we're here with Zach Creates from Twitter and Mac the Buffalo from Twitter. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some good times. You know, you're your lovely host. But first and foremost, we're going to get started. Uh, we're going to get started with the angry Buffalo hour. Nothing's worse than walking home a mile from the bar after a Browns loss. This is Mac with the angry Buffalo hour. Three years, three different QBs, same result. Jim Schwartz has to be livid because his defense only allowed 13 points and 250 total yards, yet still lost. We should have seen this coming from the very start, the second the offense lined it up in an empty set with three tight ends instead of wide receivers. Stefanski does have an Ivy League degree, though, so Harrison Bryant must be better than Donovan Peoples-Jones, Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin, and Cedric Tillman, which is why he got the game's very first target. I don't know why everyone's so surprised the passing game is once again at the bottom 10 in the NFL, considering that's how it's been since the Crimson Chin got here. Since 2020, his passing attack has been so pedestrian, Stefanski consults a crossing guard before sending his players out on the field. It's sad, though, as the GM, Andrew Barry, did his job. He upgraded the wide receiving core through three first-round picks plus $230 million guaranteed to get the best QB this franchise has ever seen. Well, until he put on the Cleveland Browns uniform. Pretty crazy Bill O'Brien made it work with Watson, yet Stefanski turned four into 2021 Baker Mayfield without the shoulder harness. So what is it then? Maybe Russ won't fully shake off until the ninth game back. Maybe Watson lost all his talent in a Space Jam-esque way. Or maybe the coach's play calling doesn't work. Funny four years later and the same critiques are still there, abandoning the run. Play calls pulled straight out of the NCAA video game and not being able to beat a team with a good pass rush, even if his job depended on it. Wild to mention that, 
because the the seat couldn't get any hotter if Marilyn Monroe sat down and started singing Happy Birthday. Stefanski has two weeks until the bye to figure figure this out, and with the injury to Chubb, the offense became even more handicapped. I would suggest he really thinks about Sunday and comes up with a, the smartest offensive game plan. He can, but the last time he did that, it ended up with four turnovers and two defensive touchdowns. This is Mac with the angry Buffalo hour. <laughs> the Kevin Stefanski slander is apparent. Is apparent. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. I don't, I, uh, uh, all right. All right. Let's let's listen. Listen, while we're on the subject of Kevin Stefanski and play calling and this awful, awful offense. Well, uh, so can we can we just address one thing? Um, yeah. You, you know, and I, I and I do want to say this and I'm not just saying um, this because he's my favorite player. I'm not just saying this just because, um, you, you know, I've built a little bit of a brand behind run the damn ball and, yeah. you know, being a Nick <laughs> Chubb enthusiast. Yeah. But I, I, I do want to send my deepest condolences out to Nick Chubb. I do want to send as many prayers out to Nick Chubb as possible because this man, he, he dislocated his knee and it's the same knee that he did in college. So it's not a matter of, you know, when he can come back. It's a matter of if he can come back. Yeah. Now, if anybody can do this, it would be Nick Chubb. Yes. But the road from here is extremely tough. Um, you, you know, Nick is a superhuman, but you know, everybody has their kryptonite and it, it just seems like it, I have never been in a situation watching a Browns game where all of the air was sucked out of the room. I'm, yeah. I'm talking about not even with the, you know, the, this stings worse than the original Baker Mayfield injury against the Texans. You know, this stings more um, than the, than the bad play call in the playoffs. Um, you, you know, this is, this is easily one of the worst things that I, I have ever seen as a Cleveland sports fan. Um, so I, I do just want to say that we here at Down with the Browns, we wish the best for Nick. Um, and I really hope that I can see this man out on the field. Now, you know, if it doesn't work out with him in Cleveland, I would be terribly sad. But yeah. I do want to see this man make a comeback because nobody deserves it more. And, you, you know, we can get into the dirty hit. I'd rather not. Yeah, um, because, you know, go ahead, just Google it on Twitter and you'll just see how atrocious and unnecessary that helmet hit was by Minka Fitzpatrick. But I, I, I just don't I don't want to get into it because my concern here is Nick Chubb and whether or not that he will be OK next season. Um, but for now, he's spending uh, the rest of the year on the IR. So right. well wishes and best of luck to Nick Chubb. 100%. And we just echo everything you're saying, Mac, because we, we all know how big of a, a part of this team Nick Chubb is. I mean, he's one of those silent guys. He's a very old fashioned, you know, football player. A lot of people love him. A lot of the older generations love him because he's, you know, kind of blue collar. Um, uh, thank you so much to Sir Marine. Uh, hashtag pray for Nick 100%. I mean, I mean you know, it, it's, it's, he's definitely kind of, you know, just bring the lunch pail to work and get, you know, clock in and get what you have to get done. So we love that about him. Um, and it, you know, it just, he just was so consistent as well. And I think that's another shock uh, to, to us as Browns fans is because we've had Nick Chubb for a while and he really hasn't had any injury problems since he's been here. Right. I mean, you know, he had what the, the horrific injury in college, but uh, I think he was out one game with COVID, I'm pretty sure. And then he had like a I, hamstring 
for two yeah, games. Yeah, he had that he had that knee sprain where he right. was out for three or four games, but he still ended up with a thousand yard season. Exactly. He, he was very productive in Exactly. Years. You you can't put Nick Chubb in that category with other running backs in the league who who are injury prone and you know haven't been uh, you know, who haven't been on the field very much. And MC says it correct. That's correct, MC. Like, he's not just loved in Cleveland. He's loved throughout the NFL. I mean, everybody loves Nick Chubb, right? I mean, it, you know, uh, all the Steelers fans in that stadium, uh, they were, they were you know, applauding it because they also saw the injury too, and they know what Nick Chubb means to this football team. And and, and once again, we don't want to really get into the the, the, the the kind of question of if it was dirty or not because it's not going to it's not going to change anything. Right. I mean, they're not going to go back and give us the the win. They're not going to it's not going to heal Chubb. It's just it's just our way to get our anger out and say that was a really, really dirty hit. And so, like, honestly, the best thing we can do for this football team is to to win. I mean, that's exactly what he would want. And that's not just something that we're saying just to sugarcoat it. It's something that's really true. Um, uh, we want we, we we want he would want us to win and we want to win. So, so, Zach, do you have anything to say about it? Yeah, I mean, I just echo all of that. I mean, I don't, I don't even really know what to to say about it. I mean, I'm not a Mac level of Nick Chubb fandom, obviously. I mean, I love Nick Chubb, and I I understand how special he is and to this team. And I agree, like you know, this is one of the worst things I, I've ever seen. But uh, you know, just like a lot of these players always say, is next man up. And you know, I saw a lot of people saying season's over and and it's it's all it's all done and you know as a leader like Deshaun Watson is supposed to be you got to galvanize your guys after something like that and I know it's hard and I know that it's it's just probably one of the most sickening things to watch especially a guy who leads by example and doesn't speak an awful lot like some other players Jamar Chase um but you know if I just I don't know where you go in the direction of, of running back. I mean, I like the addition of, of Kareem Hunt just because he knows the system, but is he really not, you know, not the dude anymore? You know, I know last year he was pretty uh, banged up, pretty you know, all year. So do we know if, if he's got that extra, that step to him? We don't, you know, it, it's to be seen. I mean, teams didn't hire him or so, I mean, like, it's kind of like it's it's a question and then do we trust Jerome Ford I mean there's all these questions that this that this poses that I don't want to ask because usually every season since Baker and Chubb were were drafted we've all sat there and and had one consistent as we knew Nick Chubb was going to show up to work and he was going to get it done and if we couldn't throw the ball we ride Nick Chubb and I just – I don't know what's going to happen going forward. But what I'd like to happen is Deshaun Watson and those lead, those leaders in that locker room need to step up, make your $235 guaranteed million dollars, and play winning football because, trust me, we turned on Baker fast. We will turn on Deshaun Watson just as fast maybe even faster with all that money. So it's time to put up or shut up. It's simple as that. 100%. 100, I couldn't have said it any better myself, honestly. And and, and so uh, I think 
I think uh, MC said a great point. Never going to replace Chubb, but we're glad uh, that we got Hunt back. I completely agree. Like that That's one sort of bright spot in all of this is he should have been – I think Hunt should have been on the team anyway. You know, I, I, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I understand they have to give Jerome Ford some play eventually, but I just was not I, – I, I said it over spaces and tweets, and I feel like I've said it over the show a couple of times. It's just like – uh, no offense to Jerome Ford, but I said, God forbid Nick Chubb goes down. God forbid Nick Chubb goes down. I mean, we, we, we I, I'm not confident with Jerome Ford. I'm not. He showed a nice little flash, right? Uh, uh, after Nick Chubb went out, and then, you know, Jerome got a couple of carries. Um, Dearness Johnson showed a couple of flashes last year on, on Thursday Night Football. Now, was those flashes due to no one having film on them whatsoever? So you don't know what to expect at all. I mean, or was it because, you know, we have a good offense? You never know. You never know. Um, so that's why I wasn't – I wasn't so – I don't know. I, I, I just I just knew we needed someone else um, on this uh, – in this running back room to help out. Uh, with that being said, I mean, obviously we can go over some, some, some key points, and then we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. The Cleveland Browns did lose and fall to the Pittsburgh Steelers week two, uh, 26 to 22. Um if you're a fantasy owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, congratulations. I mean, you got yourself a lot of points uh, for whatever league you're in. But again, I mean, a lot of that was it was the offense gifting them two touchdowns um, on defense. Uh, interception to Alex Highsmith and a strip sack by Alex Highsmith once again. And TJ Watt taking it to the house. So let's start on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Mac, I know, I know you have a lot to say. Uh uh, we can we can definitely start with you. What are what are some of the things that you were that you were looking at here on the offensive side of the ball? What what are your first kind of thoughts? Um, so I I don't want to sugarcoat this, but it really does feel like Kevin Stefanski put the offense in the hardest position possible to gain yards and win this game. Um, you, you know, now uh, not running the ball against the league's worst run defense the first play of the game is one thing but andrew barry threw money draft picks to upgrade this wide receiver room and you go empty with three tight ends coop and chubb that's tough now because of a slightly off target throw it resulted in seven points immediately right after the game so how do they respond next drive they call an immediate timeout after the third play of the game because they can't get lined up correctly and they don't know what they're doing. Then on fourth and one, a little bit later in the game, you have eight people in the box on fourth and one, and you want to run a speed option to the field. You want to run horizontally against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense, which their strength is their secondary and their outside linebackers. I mean, right now, you know, not to discredit Alex Highsmith, but I said that that was the matchup to look for, you know, this week. And what did we do? We just put Jed out on an island and we just thought that he would magically turn into a player that gives effort and doesn't immediately leave his pass set. And what happened? He turned around like a like a guy trying to make a UE on a highway. Uh, it's it's sad. I, I mean, watch watch this play. Watch this play. He doesn't even get back in his stance. He immediately turns and runs 
as if he is a DB covering, covering a wide receiver. I mean, that's an absolute embarrassment for a left tackle, and it's especially an embarrassment because this guy is a first-round draft pick, a guy that we picked up his fifth-year option. So, you know, not to, not to be, you know, Captain Obvious, but he doesn't deserve that fifth year, straight up. And it's, it's not me sugarcoating it because you are what you put out on tape, and Jed Wills has put out that he is not a starter in this NFL. So you go down, and I mean, there's so many question marks with this game plan. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. The third possession of the game, they get the ball on the opponent's 18-yard line, and they can't score. Name, I, I mean, you know what? We, we have to be in the same league as the Arizona Cardinals, right? Because at the, at the end of the day, most offenses, when, when they have the ball on the opponent's 18-yard line, they can at least score. They can at least stay in field goal position, but they didn't. And they ended up missing a field goal, you, you know, so it's frustrating time and time again. And, and I mean, you know, it, something, something's up with the personnel, something's up with these formations. I, I mean, the fact that we're still trying to line up Harrison Bryant as a fullback, considering the fact that he's six foot five and 220 pounds soaking wet is is an absolute like if you're if that's what you want to do and you want like put Najoku back there put Jordan Akins back there hell pull a fullback from the practice squad yeah because he's going to give you a better run and blocking ability I, I mean there's just so many question marks uh and it's like I I, I don't know I, I don't know about you guys but I just have nothing but a plethora of notes of just questionable stuff and and I mean you know you look at the wide receiving core Guys like Marquise Goodwin and Donovan Peoples-Jones have four targets two games into the season. You mm. want to run an air raid offense and You're too two of your top four weapons, two guys, one guy that has shown you the past two years that he is he can get the ball downfield, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, he's shown you that on tape. He's shown you that on the stat sheet. You don't want to get him the ball. You get Marquise yep. Goodwin, who has speed that we have not seen – and he can also catch the ball, but for some reason we just don't want to get the ball to him. So it's there to me. It just seems like Kevin Stefanski set up this offense for failure. You you can't sit there and blame execution because the best players number one weren't given the ball, and number two, it, it's it's just absolutely baffling what I saw on offense. I'm without a doubt, without a doubt, there are. 27 28 offensive play callers in the NFL that would have won that game on Monday. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean that, that's a strong statement but it's but it's but but there's some truth to it. There's some truth to it because you you have to be able to um you have to be able to adjust to be completely honest with you. Uh Zach, I'm going to let I'm going to let you go. Uh I have some thoughts on it as well, but I I'll, I'll let yeah. you go first. What what I mean what, what do you how do you explain this type of performance offensively uh, to, to a Cleveland Browns fan? Well, well, I'd just be like, hey, look at the past, you know, 20-some years, and that's what happened is, you know, everybody thought we were going to go in and, and do what we were supposed to do, and we got, you know, we, we, got, we basically didn't put up what we were supposed to put up. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I, I, I am like a loss of words because it's just – it's unbelievable to me, but so I did some, some number crunching and not really anything too crazy, but 
our offense is $111 million of, in cap dollars right now, okay? And out of that $111 million, 13% of it is your offensive line, which is a super high – I mean, to have an offensive line at 13%. That's $33.7 million in money between Joel Batonio, between Conklin, Wyatt Teller, and yes, Jed Wills, shockingly. But if you're going to sit there knowing the game plan of the Steelers, this is the Steelers go through this and we do this every single year. And this might be an indictment on Kevin Stefanski. I'm not saying I'm not one that's like, you know, what this guy is just garbage, but maybe he doesn't think about this at all. But every year since he's been uh, head coach in the regular season, whether the Steelers are great on offense or not, we go in and defensively they play a bare front. And every single time our offensive line gets absolutely ran through. So either he's literally insane and doing the same thing, expecting a different result, or he's not going to add an extra blocker to throw guys that are actually big bodies that can block Highsmith and uh well Hayward wasn't there, but Cam Hayward, I mean TJ yeah. Watt to, to sit there and be like, hey, let's not let them get to our quarterback. I don't know if you guys saw the Niners game, and yeah, maybe that was a fluke of, of some sort, but the Niners versus Steelers, they toyed with them. TJ yeah. Watt, yes, they had he had his sacks, but they were able to move the ball like it was nothing. And the fact that you have a guy, and this is no slander to Brock Purdy, but a last pick in the draft outperform your $235 million quarterback wow. is, to me, the indictment on, on something that's going on in here. Now, yes, obviously, maybe we're a little unfair with Deshaun in certain points. I get it. You know, you're coming back after two years of not playing football. It was rusty last year. Now you're, you know, really, really opening up the offense, whatever. But when you go play as a Brown in Schittsburg, you better come out with a W or at least a, well, or a pretty damn good performance. Mm-hmm. And what that was was just an amalgamation of a, a huge disaster. I mean – the, the the greatest example of this is the end of the game. I mean, everybody's going to sit there and call for people's heads. They're like, oh, you know, he he was held. He was this. Yeah, DPJ was held. We know that. That's not that's not a you know crazy thing. But when he's held and the ball's fifty feet above his head and not even catchable, I mean, give your guy a shot at the ball. Because if he's getting held, he's going to get the penalty call. Then you're up at the spot foul, and then you have a shot at winning the game. Instead, Mm, you make a rushed throw, you throw the ball 20 feet above his head, and now we're walking home trying to figure out what the hell happened. If you are missing guys like Elijah Moore, and I get it, he was pressured like crazy, And, and, and I don't blame him for that. But when you're missing wide open levels concepts, just basic, you know, quarterback stuff, 
to where you can see cover three. I mean, the Steelers played a cover three shell pretty much the whole game. I yeah. mean, they they were saying, Deshaun, beat us. Beat yeah. Us. Beat that us. That was their like, game plan for sure. And he and, and you got to tip your hat to Pittsburgh. They just said, you know what? Fine. You know, like, that's fine. Go ahead. Like, keep throwing the ball because you clearly can't hit our guys. You don't, you know, like, you're not comfortable in the pocket. You're scrambling out before the concept's done. I mean, I get it. Jed, I, I do think Jed Wills is, is a – is a big part of that. And I do think him not mm-hmm. trusting his blind side, I think is a, mm-hmm. is a big issue that yeah. going forward that you need to fix or figure out. But he also needs to, I mean, when he's in rhythm, you can tell, you like, can there's tell. A couple yeah. throws, like when he was throwing, there was a couple passes to Amari Cooper where I was just like, that's in rhythm. It's that amazing. Moore, that, I was was, like, that Elijah Moore pass where he was out of bounds, you drop that right in a basket. I mean, right? Like these are these are serious. Like he he has that stuff, but you need to be in rhythm. Kind of mm-hmm. echoing what Mac mm-hmm. was saying is hand the ball off first play. What are we doing? Throwing a little out, you know, flat play to first Harrison Bryant. Like what are you doing? Get get a rhythm going. Gain a first down, and then then open it up. Like these are supposed to be scripted. Stop getting cute. We're playing AFC North football. Run it down their throats and take your shots. Well, and, and like I, I, I 100% echo that, Zach. And, and like I, I'm not trying to be the old head that's saying run the ball, run the ball. But, you know, crazy stat that not a lot of people are talking about. The Browns had 198 rushing yards in that game. Gosh. Okay. A few more handoffs wouldn't have hurt you. Because what was detrimental to this team? I I mean, you know, if we limited the first throw of the game and we would have just handed it off on the third down, we would have won that game. Trust your defense. You have the second best defense in the NFL right now, and Jim Schwartz is giving you everything that he he has. And the Browns have not had a defense like this ever in the history of their uh, of their existence. Okay, and. It's, it's mind-boggling to me because we're talking about a, a, an offense, you, you know, before the season started, we're, we're like, okay, we want to open the playbook up, right? We want to run an air raid offense. We want to feature multiple targets. Well, right now, it's Amari Cooper, David Njoku, and then everyone else. Because right now, so Coop and Njoku combined for, this is the past two weeks, 24 targets that resulted in 16 catches, 199 yards, 10 first downs. The rest of the team, 45 targets, 22 catches, 190 yards, 11 first downs. I I mean, you know, the three worst catching percentages on this team are Elijah Moore with 37%, DPJ with 33%, and Marquise Goodwin with 0%. So it's an issue of getting the ball to your playmakers because as good as Amari Cooper was, and a, as consistent as David Njoku was, you need to be able to spread the ball out. And yep. they still yet to be able to get the ball downfield to Marquise Goodwin. And I don't know whether Stavansky just gave up trying to draw it up or, or what, but at, at the end of the day, it, it's it, it's just crazy. And, and it's not even like, a, oh, well, you're just saying that 2020 hindsight. But in all reality, if they would have handed the ball off on the very first play of the game, and if they would have handed the ball off, on that last third down, 
the Browns would have won this game because that defense was not losing. I, I mean, you know, yeah. you want to you want to talk about and like you, it, it's just mind boggling to me because the defense gave up two big plays, right? A seventy-one yard touchdown to to George Pickens, and then a thirty-yard touchdown on a miscommunication to Jalen uh, thirty. 30-yard gain to Jalen uh, Warren, right? Outside yep. of that, okay, they had 99 passing yards and 55 rushing yards. Yeah. Outside of two plays. The defense would have won you that game if you would have trusted him. And if I'm Jim Schwartz, and, and I understand that he's the new guy in town, right? He's just a defensive coordinator. But I'd be livid if I gave you the game and I gave you the keys to the Lambo and you crashed it before get, even getting out of the driveway. I mean, it's an absolute embarrassment. Because Kevin Stefanski is supposed to be this offensive guy, right? You, you know, and you got too cute, you got too smart, and you ended up looking like an absolute buffoon on Monday Night Football. I, and that's I, that's not opinion; that's just fact. It's just a fact. I the thing that the thing that stresses me out the most is the fact you just said it already, Mac. Right? You could have ran the ball in the second half and won. Walked right out. Walked right out of Pittsburgh Absolutely. with a win. You and, and, and I try to tell people this on, on wherever I can. Right? All you had, you could have taken that knee every single play in the fourth quarter and still would have won because it's the fact that the it, the turn. I, the Steelers aren't good. I'm, I'm just gonna say this. So far, what I'm seeing right now this this season, the Steelers are not a good football team. Okay, I'm not saying they're a horrible football team, but they're not a good football team. That defense, it might look really nice and sexy onto the media, right on your on your fantasy team. That's why I was talking about fantasy because your fantasy points are really nice. We handed them a W. We spoon fed them, and they're like, "Oh, well, good teams take advantage of that." Well, all you got to do is stick your hand out there if you're Alex Highsmith. Ninety nine percent of the NFL games. If you're throwing that that flat route off to off to Harrison Bryant and it tips off six individuals body parts, it hits the ground. The fact that Alex Heisman scooped and scored, congratulations, Alex, congratulations. And then the other play, you, 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 we already see it right now, one hundred percent. I mean, my good, I could go out there in Birkenstocks and walk right by Jed. I mean, my goodness, and Alex Heisman got defensive player of the year. I mean, defensive player of the week for that. In the AFC. I mean, I could go out there and walk in a bathroom past Jed. And so I'm just saying when I'm talking to you about the difference between what the 49ers did versus the Steelers, now that's a very good defense. What we did against Pittsburgh where they didn't have any plays in the red zone, that's a really good defense. The Pittsburgh Steelers just took advantage of what they gave them, of what we gave them. And it's not like they took it out by fours, right? It's not like T.J. Watt did a crazy spin move, swim move, and Alex Highsmith went through the offensive line. That's all I'm trying to say is the slight good news, right? And we really beat ourselves. We should have won oh, yeah. 22 to 12, right? Absolutely. But instead we lost because we had two two defense touchdown turnovers. So if there's any silver lining here, it's the fact that it, we could look back on this game and say, man, oh, man. You know what I mean? Like, And those turnovers weren't even like – Deshaun didn't see coverage and just threw the ball right into somebody, you know, like a rookie mistake. This was like a bobbled, like four people bobbled it. You know what I mean? So it's like the media can say Deshaun turned it over twice. 
or whatever. You know what I mean? Fine, but we you got to look at it objectively as a Browns fan. And I'm sure other defensive coordinators are going to look at this game and say, okay, well, it's not Deshaun making those mistakes. It's kind of like, hey, we we need we we would like a lucky bounce like that. We would like Jed mis miscounting the snap, not knowing and just not getting off the ball. So look, I try to take a deep breath, and that's the attitude that I'm having right now. But it, it, there is a bright spot in this game. The bright spot in this game, and we need to really talk about it because sometimes it gets you know, you know, in an offense-driven league, and sometimes defense gets hidden in the folds, and no one cares about defense anymore. Can we please, like, man, the defensive side of the ball? Jim Schwartz is doing a fantastic job, guys. We have a Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns have a top five defense in the NFL. Top three. It's. I mean, man, unprecedented. I mean, like, it really. I've. It is fun to watch them, but I can't say the same thing for. You know, rest of the people. You know what I mean? Like, it's just – I don't know. It's one of those things where I I think as, you know, we progress through the the year, this – I said this – I tweeted this, and it might be a – you know, I know it is week two, and some people – I get it. Like – some people do have overreactions. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I would say mine is gross overreaction, but yeah, I mean, overreaction for sure. But this felt like I don't know how to explain this, but like this felt like one of those games where you, this team, this early on, has to look inside themselves and be like, what are you guys? Like, do right. you? Are we the Browns as the Browns or the Browns of the Browns? Same old Brown. Like, what are we? Because let's be honest here. Like, I love Juan Thornhill and I love his positivity. Yeah. But this isn't Kansas City, dude. Like, we've been down in the dumps for, you know, the better part of two decades. You know, so figure it out. Like, we need to figure out what we want to be it's as simple as that like i just i can't stand this like this attitude i I saw it like i don't know if you guys saw the jed wills interview where he was talking about how it was i think it was a missed snap count or something like that or whatever the way he's talking looks like he doesn't give a shit and i don't know if that's i don't know if that's him like that's just his personality i don't know him very well enough but I have never seen somebody have that big of a – I mean, like, just watching that video when you play it drives me nuts. Like, he, the guy is totally facing the wrong way. I mean, yeah, I could yeah. go in there and do it. And I don't even – like, I've never played offensive line. I don't. I could figure out, hey, I should probably stay square with this guy so he doesn't hit my quarterback or yeah. put him to the sideline or put him, you know, back to the, you know, the end zone behind me. I'm not going to sit here and let him hit me. But, like, I mean, look at this. Are you kidding me? Like, I get it. Deshaun shouldn't have, have fumbled that football. He's not look like, – like, look at Deshaun's eyes. He's looking left because he's he's throwing a little – you know, he's probably throwing this little quick slant right here. And 
she's like, all right, Jed, you got my, you got my weak side. <laughs> like, you know, you got my blind side. Like, don't worry about it, man. Like we got this and balls out. Like that right there took the wind out of the whole team. It did. That it really right there did. was the, I don't think, when was the last time an offensive lineman has lost us a football game? I don't even know. And we've lost in many different kinds of ways. Yeah. We've lost in many different and, and you I just want to say one quick thing, Zach, because you touched on something that just jogged my memory. Do you know when Cade York started like not completing some kicks and his interviews were different? Like he he knew it's almost like he knew that like Browns fans were low key bagging on him heavily. Yeah. yeah right. And absolutely. then so then when we kind of cut him and then he signed with the Titans, which by the way, I just realized that we're going to be seeing Cade York this Sunday. But uh, so so, and he signed with the Titans, and yeah. then he had an opportunity to sign back with us, but he's like, "No, nah, I want something new," and just went to Tennessee. It, it's almost like Jed is almost acting as if I feel like Jed knows we as a fan base have a generally negative outlook when it comes to him. Well, I hope he does. I, I I think he knows that, and it's almost like it's not that I don't care. It's almost like, bro, like I know you guys hate me. Like, if you gave right. me one ticket out of here, I would literally just leave. You know what I mean? Sure. Like he like he would be almost happy if he were traded. You know, so it's like it, 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 he's happy he got his money, the extension. I mean, he's not gonna be upset about that. But it's like, bro, like I almost know every single time I do something wrong, you guys like are gonna bag me for it. Right. And very rarely as an offensive lineman do you get praised. Um, so on top of the fact that we all put Dewan Jones on the throne and he knows that, you know what I mean? So oh, it's yeah. like it, it's it, it's so insane to me. It, summer is hilarious. My toddler can block better than Jed. I, honestly, a lot of people probably could on that you one can, play. You can line you can line up anybody at left tackle and they can give you that exact same effort. Yeah. Um, now, something kind of hit me here and. I I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Um, yeah. But is it me or since 2020, we have guys where their their attitude is questionable on offense? You have yeah, the pissing match that. with Baker Mayfield. You have the whole conundrum with Odell Beckham. Right. You know, even Kareem Hunt had that holdout in camp last year. Yeah. Yeah, and on the low. We, we forget Wills about that. This, yeah. you, you know, now you have Jed yeah. Wills and this I don't give a shit attitude. So it, it's like what is going on on Kevin Stefanski's side of the ball? Because this is what we hired him for, right? Yeah. This is the cool. offensive mind. He was the person, okay, this wasn't Jim Schwartz sitting in the meeting with Deshaun Watson. You know, this wasn't Bubba Ventrone. You know, it wasn't Joe Woods when he was here. It wasn't Jimmy Haslam. Who was the guy talking about RPOs with Deshaun Watson and breaking down the playbook on what they were going to run on a Sunday sometime down the line? That was Kevin Stefanski. This is yeah. Kevin Stefanski's offense. And so far, what what have we gotten from Kevin Stefanski's offense outside of a stretch of games in 2020? Well, I hate to tell you, but like COVID, 2020 was three years ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. It, it it's gone. It, it's yeah. the, it, it's it's not here anymore. It's not our present. It is our past. So yeah. what the hell is going to be our future? And you can go ahead and look at the stats. Kevin Stefanski has had a bottom ten passing attack since he's been here, and it's been three different quarterbacks now. We have yeah. moved pieces around in the wide receiver room. 
We've had we've kept a pretty consistent offensive line. I mean, say what you want about Jed, but the other four guys up there, pretty damn good. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and I yeah. mean, I get it. you're marching into Pittsburgh. You're marching into Pittsburgh, and you're facing guys like T.J. Watt. Uh, you know, Alex Smith uh, or Alex High Smith. Um, and you know they now while they were down one of their best players, Cameron Hayward, they still brought the energy. They still brought that fire. They were still ready to go. Um, and it was, they wanted it more than the Browns offense. And, and you, you know, again, they gave the game away and Stefanski was brought here to be more organized, which clearly hasn't been, you know, his MO and to be more efficient. And yeah. last Monday was the least efficient offensive performance that I think that I've seen since Kevin Stefanski has been here. I mean, you know, without Jim Schwartz, it would have been the stereotypical blowout that we've seen. You know, the blowout yeah. in the very first game of 2020 against Baltimore. Uh, the the blowout in Pittsburgh in 2020. Um, you, you know, the blowout versus the Patriots in 2021. Um, you, you know, I, I mean, the only difference between then and now is just the fact that Jim Schwartz will put you in a position to win the ball game. And you know what's crazy? You know what's absolutely insane is that there was a point in the game where the Browns had three turnovers, where Deshaun Watson was playing one of the worst games that he has played in the National Football League, and the Browns were still in it. Yep. So, right now, I'd like to talk about this defense because the the only the only thing that I have to say for the offense is figure it out, figure it the freak out because it, it, that's that's what just needs to happen. Or people are going to get fired because, you know, look around the NFL. Who goes first, quarterback or the head coach? And it's the head coach every single time. Yeah, so that's so this. true. Yeah. That is that is so – that is completely true. And and to answer your question, Summer, about who can take over play calling, I mean, it, probably AVP. But at the same time, we got to give – we we it is – it is – it is – and, and Alex Van Pelt, but it, but it, it could turn around. I truly believe that it can turn around. It is week two. Uh, and we're going up against a Tennessee Titans team who gives up the fifth most passing yards already this season. So, I mean, there's some, there's some, there's some, the secondary is not the greatest. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But we do have to highlight, uh, you know, uh, these defensive just juggernaut that we have. Um, you know, what, what, Mac? What do you, what do you kind of think about this defense? I mean, we have not seen anything like this before. Have mm-hmm. you seen anything like this before on this defense with the Browns? I, I, I absolutely haven't. Um, you, you know, now we we knew that Miles Garrett, um, Dalvin Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith, and Ogbo Okoronkwo were going to show up this year. I, I mean, statistically, there's everything that I could bring to the table, that, um, and I have brought to the table to show you that hey, like their defensive line is going to be real next year. Now, yeah, yeah. I came out a couple months ago and I said that Grant Telpit is a damn good safety and people still had some question marks about it. Well, don't have any more question marks because for the second week in a row, he's put together a masterful performance. I mean, we're talking about an interception, uh, a fumble recovery, and he led the team in tackles for the past two weeks. So this man has been all over the field and like, it's, it's just crazy because, I mean, again, outside of two plays, you had one coverage bust in zone, um, and then you had Jalen Warren getting getting out of the backfield free. They did a lot of motions, and, uh, and Sione Takitaki got caught up in the mess, um, and he ended up letting his guy free, and he went 30 yards downfield. 
But outside of those two plays, again, 99 passing yards and 55 rushing yards. I mean, this defense just – they they just suffocate. If you want to use one word to describe this defense, it's suffocating. suffocating. Because Absolutely. in the run game, in, in the pocket, in coverage, I, I mean, and, and like that's the that's the crazy part about all this is that Jim Schwartz's scheme isn't something masterful, right? Okay, he's not like he's not like Joe Woods that's got a mouthful of chew and the pencil in his ear and he's yeah. drawing yeah. up stuff that you've never seen before um, and don't quite understand. No, it's just man coverage. And just letting the dogs go up front. Yeah. And it's it they're Miles they to the linebacker spot stick. too. Yeah. They I mean they just stick. Absolutely really stick like glue on these uh, on these offensive players. And it's like I mean, if we did not have those two offensive touchdowns and the Browns would have won this game, the you, you know what the narrative would have been? Kenny Pickett was seeing ghosts. Because in, in yes. reality, yes. that's what it was. I mean, you had outside of those two passes, Kenny Pickett played terrible, awful, god awful. And those awful. two passes, um, you, you know, they were they were pitch and catches, right? You know, they were they were wide open and they were coverage busts. But even with the coverage busts, I mean, they still only gave up 255 total yards. And you know, off the top of my head, I I can't think of the last time that that happened. I can't think of the last time where that Browns defense gave up that least amount of yards, even when playing, uh, you know, a good game. Because even even the master class in 2020 against the Tennessee Titans, they still had that, you know, second half can like you know performance. You, you, even even in that playoff game with the four with the four turnovers, I mean, Big Ben still threw for 500 yards. You know, the the Browns have not had this kind of defense since coming back in 99. I mean, you might be able to compare it to, you, you know, the late eighties with Clay Matthews jr. And Michael Dean Perry, um, you know, and all those guys, but it, it past 99, uh, this is just an amazing defense. And again, I mean, they are so physical, they're athletic, they're flying around the football and they're making a name for themselves. And that's why it's so frustrating as a fan. Because the guys on defense are they they're showing up to work, they're doing their job, and they are making plays. And 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 you know what's you know what's really cool as well? For as much as we got last year about these players fighting in the locker room and all these screaming matches and blaming each other in the conferences, oh, it was this coverage, it was this guy that blew the that blew this. These guys are celebrating with each other on the field. I I mean, you know, Grant when he when he had that interception, they all 11 guys are running to the end zone to go celebrate with each other, which I just personally love because celebrate with your teammates. You should. Those are your brothers that you're out there on the field with. Um, And this defense has so much cohesion, has so much energy, and they got some swagger and some attitude to them. And like MC said, this defense is elite, so all the offense has to do is be average. Which is – which is – which – which – is insane i know this is going to make so many people browns fans specifically upset is because we're talking about a 230 million guaranteed we count his money all the time which i hate that everybody does but whatever you got to do it it it, we could literally be like a baltimore ravens team where you have a average-ish quarterback an average-ish offense but this elite defense I hate to say that because we paid that much money for Deshaun and we don't want to be that. But like if we just get average 
quarterback play. We always said this a little bit better than Baker. Everybody just cohesive and just working together on the offense. Score us a couple points. We can we 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 give up the sec. It's only it's only been two games, but we're second in the league in points given up per game. Mm-hmm. We're at fourteen point five. 14, 15 points a game. Oh, it's the complete opposite of what it was last year. We were it's like, the well, complete opposite. We, were, we were 28th last year, or 28th or 30th in, in overall defensive EPA. And then yeah. we were second in offense. And now this year, we're second in defensive EPA and 28th in offense. Which is so, insane. Insane. Like, I mean, I mean, my goodness. Can you imagine all we need to do is basically score 21 points and we win the game? I know. <laughs> like, I mean, I know. man, it's, it's, it's it, it is, it is crazy. It is crazy. I and we love scored 22 on Monday. Did. And we scored 22 on Monday. We would have, we, we would have won that game if it wasn't for the offensive, like, you know, turnovers, Dude, right? Four, we would have won it 22 to 12. 14 points. 14 points. If you, if you get, if you score on defense, then the way, the likelihood of you winning that game is very high. If you score twice, I mean, if you, if you're scoring for your offense, I mean, it, at one point, I mean, you saw on Twitter, you know, they were like, "Oh man, well, all the Pittsburgh Steelers should just do is just keep punting the ball because their defense is scoring them all the points." Yeah, keep giving the Browns more chances that you know, it's just insane. Well, so it's just know, insane. If you told me last year that we could have a defense that only gives up three point two yards per carry, wow, defending the run, wow, I would give pretty much anything outside of my dog up for that yeah. kind of defense. And that combine that, if you can combine that with that first like six weeks of the season last year where we were just astronomically like for some crazy reason, we were so efficient on offense. I mean, we're talking, we by far are the best team. Just on paper, just statistically speaking, we would be the best team in the league. Because, I mean, we would be killing it. Obviously, the 49ers would be up there, too, because they're killing it on offense as well. But, I mean, it's like we, like we're doing whatever we want. We're doing whatever we want. Uh, shout out to Jim Schwartz. Shout out to this defense. I mean, I, I do. While we have some time left at the end of the show here, uh, we do have to talk about a person who is returning to the Cleveland Browns, signed a one-year deal worth up to $4 million. And, ladies and gentlemen, that name is Kareem Hunt. Welcome back, Kareem Hunt. Obviously, unfortunately, comes to the loss of Nick Chubb uh, for the season, obviously. But, I mean, being able to get a veteran back in here who's been in this locker room already, who people love, and he was just here last year, right? I mean, he should have been on his team to begin with. Uh, but again, having Kareem Hunt here is just going to be such a huge, huge push for the offense. I truly believe, and he's going to be running hard. I know a lot of people think that he's washed, but, uh, Mary Kay Cabot has released today in one of her tweets that he's down 22 pounds. He's extremely lean. He showed up ready to work. He was, fan- yeah, he was fantastic in his workout wow. today. Yeah. So that was per Mary Kay Cabot. From, uh, so one of the, uh, reporters for ESPN I mean, for, for Cleveland. Yeah. So he's down 22 pounds. I didn't even know he had 22 pounds to lose. Yeah, I know he, he showed up ready to work. <laughs> he was prepared to give it his all for any team. And it just so happens that he's coming right back to Cleveland where he can get a jump start. Look, everybody's saying that he's going to be the backup. I mean, you know, Kevin Stefanski has reported that he's going to be the backup to Jerome Ford. That will not be for a long time. If you ask me, I think that Kareem Hunt will be the RB1 soon, but they just don't want to throw him into RB1 role uh, just yet, especially against the Titans when they are a notoriously for this season bad passing uh, defense. They're just going to throw the ball all over the place on on, on Sunday. Let's hope. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to save my predictions until you know it happens because I, I don't like what what uh what happened last time or so, yeah. should I say Monday? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. No, a, a whole lot, a whole lot. I like in, in terms of Kareem Hunt, um, you know. It, I, I don't I I didn't really I, I mean obviously you know how somebody's listed on the depth chart and who's RB one and RB two that is significant right um, but what matters is who's on the field on third down and it's going to be Kareem Hunt why point. because he can catch yeah. the ball out of the backfield and he can pass block okay we've talked a lot about you know the pressure that Deshaun Watson was facing. Um, you know, against the Pittsburgh Steeler defense. Well, I hate to tell you, but Mike Vrabel's not dumb. Mike Vrabel has a very good defensive line on his team, you know, and he's going to come after Deshaun Watson the same way that Pittsburgh came after him on Monday. And we got to have somebody that's able to block in the backfield. And Kareem Hunt can do that. You know, if he provides us with catching out of the backfield, pass blocking on third down and one to two of those angry runs a game, you know, because not only does it show up on the stat sheet, but that does wonders for your offensive line. Because one thing that not everybody's talking about, it was mentioned a few times, but the energy that Kareem Hunt brings to this team, because the team offensively was very different in 2021 before Kareem Hunt went down with his calf injury in terms of yes. energy wise. And, you know, offensive linemen love, a guy, and, and it's the reason why they love Nick Chubb because it was it was a guy that could get yards after contact. And Kareem Hunt's not the most agile guy; he's not going to beat a lot of guys in a foot race. But he is tough to bring down. And when you have an angry runner like that, it shows up. I mean, Anthony Walker, a guy who's been a captain for the past for the past three years on this defense, right? is talking about how much energy it he said he said that it and like I don't have the exact quote but it brought the energy back you know Nick Chubb leaving it it, it kind of took the wind out of everybody's sails but seeing a familiar face a guy with high energy a guy that wants to come to work you know and, and a guy that just brings so much positivity and so much life back in the building you know it, you just saw the big smile on his face and how many smiles did we have you know, and and I I know this is stupid, right? Because we're talking about offensive players smiling, but it the energy is very important, and to see the pot very positive reaction bringing Kareem Hunt back in. Now, this is before I even found out that he lost twenty pounds. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy, um, yep. considering the fact that he looked relatively slow last year. Um, mm -hmm. So you know. Uh, you're down 20 pounds scientifically you're you're able to run a little faster so it's it's going to be really it's going to be really great to see it's a nice familiar face he knows the offense and he's going to give you 110 percent and you know the the offense needs the energizer bunny right they need they need somebody they need to come somebody and, electric and just like bring everybody up because once nick chubb went down i mean i mean yeah deshaun tried his best to get the guys together, you know, to, in Zach's words, to galvanize everybody, right? But it, it was hard. But Kareem Hunt makes that a little bit easier. And, you know, even, even if he is part 
of what he was 2019 to 2021. I, I still say that that's a win in my book because, you know, Jerome, Jerome Ford did show us some flashes, um, but he just can't, he can't be the guy that's taken 80% of the carries, you, you know, and he's I, like, I, I, and, and I'm, and I'm not trying to crap on the guy, but he's yeah. also not very big. He's not a very good pass blocker. Right. No. So Kareem brings something different to the table. He brings the energy. So I love this signing and it's only 4 million. Yeah. I mean, that's practically a camp flyer, you know, to uh, like, uh, you know, so I, I, I like the signing um, to hear that he's down weight is even better. Um, and, and I'm excited to see 27 again because it, it's, and so Pete Smith, uh, writer for sports illustrated said that it was fan service. Okay, so it was damn good fan service. Yeah. Because he's a guy that a lot of people love and a lot of people bring energy. I mean, he's a Cleveland boy. He loves playing in Cleveland. He loves it. And and I mean, you, you know, he shares the same hatred for Steelers um as we do as a fan oh, yeah. base. He knows, he knows how important that winning football is in Cleveland. So, you know, to see him back is is awesome. And it, you know, it nobody can replace Nick Chubb. But, you know, to bring Kareem back, you know, that's a that's a pretty damn good answer. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So as we wrap up the show here, we are going to preview the Tennessee Titans at the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Uh, obviously, you have DeAndre Hopkins, Ryan Tannehill. We don't have to say too much about Derrick Henry because we all know who Derrick Henry is. Uh, they have a fantastic rushing game, um, like we've alluded to before in the show. The Tennessee Titans, uh, they are fourth in the league in rushing. Again, it's only two games in the season. They are 28th in passing. And it's going to be 71 and sunny in Cleveland for a kickoff. So uh, what are some of the things you're looking for on offense? What are some of the things you're looking for on defense? I, I think I'm going to – I'm hoping for a breakout game. I'm hope I'm calling for Deshaun Watson's most passing yards in a game in a Cleveland Browns uniform. I'm hoping that's the case. The Tennessee Titans secondary is not that good. Uh, with the defense giving him more opportunities to shine, he's going to be back at home at Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, stadium. So I, there is no reason in my estimation why you should be, you know, not eclipsing 200 and, you know, 30 yards passing. So what are you guys' thoughts knowing all this information? What are, what are some of the things you're looking for in this game? Uh, Zach, I'll let you go first and then Mac, you go ahead. Uh, yeah. So, you know, knowing that they're, I think, 28th in pass and fourth in rush, the fourth and rush is a little bit of an anomaly because their first two weeks, they didn't really um, go up against the, you know, premier rushing offenses or guys that play a lot of 13 personnel, 23 personnel, whatever you want to call, whatever you want to um, call it. Um, I think it's definitely going to be a different thing for, for my understanding, you know, after Kevin Stefanski gets reamed for the things that he does, he usually figures out, you know, the next game he comes back and has a better game plan. Now, what I'm going to be looking for is really just to see Deshaun Watson and the offensive line kind of come together. Um, it's going to be tough because, you know, you have Jeffrey Simmons and uh, a couple of the other guys on, on their defensive line that that, that does pose some issues, um, but they need to just let it rip. I mean, I want to see the seam routes with Marquise Goodwin and, and in the slot. I want to see some – I want to see some, you know, some corner routes and some, 
it just I want to see them open this up because yeah. the whole this whole you know point of, of Deshaun Watson coming here was to open up the, the offense for him and and kind of play five wide receivers, you know, five or four wide receivers and a tight end, you know, like having a lot of empty backfields and showing that air raid ish type thing. Now, if that means that Stefanski kind of has to step aside and just let, you know, Deshaun kind of dictate what's going on and have him a little bit, you know, from my understanding, he, he controlled a lot of what he did in the Texans uh, program and right. Bill O'Brien and a lot of those guys is he was kind of the guy that, if he got a play call, he'd call the play call and he's at the line changing a lot of things, which is great. Something that we didn't have an awful lot of, but we just need to figure something out that whatever that it is needs to be figured out by, by uh, Sunday or, you know, <clears throat> it's going to, this is just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. So hopefully there, I hope uh, the Browns get a, get a W but uh, I'm not going to predict it because I'm a Browns fan, so it's just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> smart. Honestly, smart. <laughs> Matt, go ahead. What do you think? So, um, you know, on defense now, with with before I even say any, anything, um, you know, looking forward to the Browns defense here, you know, I, I know that Jim Schwartz is going to show up, um, but they're going to be really keen on, um, you know, stopping the big play downfield uh, because you got Traylon Burks, um, who averaged 25 yards a catch last game. Um, you you had Moore, um, who caught a 49-yard deep ball. Um, right now, DeAndre Hopkins is listed questionable with an ankle. Um, now, that could be something. It could be nothing. You never know. Um, but in, in terms of the passing attack, you know, limit the big plays, and then, of course, make sure that Derrick Henry does not dictate the game. Um, and you know what, MC, to your point, um, you know, I, I wouldn't blame Browns fans if they booed this passing attack because it is, it has been putrid. Um, you, you know, now with that being said, flipping on the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, the guys that should lead in targets at the end of the game, it should be Amari Cooper, should be David Njoku, Donovan Peoples Jones, Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin, five guys. Okay. I'm sorry, but I cannot see another target to Harrison Bryant. Um, you, you know, I, I love, I love Cedric Tillman, but like, you, you know, you need to get your star players, the ball. And to Zach's point, I would really like to see some kind of connection with Marquise Goodwin. Um, you, you know, the Browns haven't had a deep threat, you know, since Stefanski came here and all of a sudden we just don't want to, I mean, we force fed the ball to Odell Beckham. Why can't we force feed the ball to Marquise Goodwin. And, and I mean, it's not like <laughs> yeah. the offense is going to get any worse, right? You know, um, but true. with that, you know, also comes, I, I mean, you know, not to sugarcoat anything, but the offensive line has a very tough job coming up, you know, in terms of um, pass protection. Of course, you have Jeffrey, Sim Jeffrey Simmons, who has nine pressures, two sacks on the year. Um, but you also have edge rusher Arden Key, nine pressures, two sacks. You have Harold Landry the third, who was supposed to be their top guy. You know, he has a sack on the year. And then you have Danico Autry, eight pressures, three sacks. So they're going to come after Deshaun Watson. It's, it, it's no secret. And Mike Vrabel is one of those coaches that he will not give you the game. This will not be easy. 
Yeah. Uh, fr- frankly, you could possibly argue that this will be a harder game than it was. Now, you're going to be at your home stadium, right? So you're not going to be seeing ugly towels that aren't in your team's color. You know, yeah. you're not going to have people be screaming home, at you. you but, when, but you when don't want to be booed. You don't yeah, want to be booed. But you don't want to be booed by this. It is Cle- way too early. It is you know, way too early. You're facing a better offense, and you're facing a, you know a damn good pass rush. So, like what what I'm looking for, take your deep shots on offense, and just keep the game plan simple. Because the more that you try to be intricate, Mike Vrabel's gonna beat you. I, I mean, there's a reason yeah. why he won Super Bowls as a linebacker for Bill Belichick because he's a smart guy. He understands defense. And Jim Schwartz was with him last year, right? So I'm sure that he's telling Kevin some secrets there um, on how they run their defense, and they, they did a little scouting. Um, but he, Kevin can't get cute for the second game in a row because Mike Vrabel will take advantage. I, I mean, you, you know, he's not Zach Taylor. Right. He's he's a Mike Tomlin-esque coach. He's a smart he's guy. He's a defensive-minded, he's a defensive-minded yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, what I'm gonna say is something that we alluded to. The Cleveland Browns better not lose this game. And more importantly, even if they win, we cannot have Deshaun Watson play bad. Like he cannot have a bad game. It's gonna be great weather. That is a poor bassing defense over there in Tennessee. Amani Hooker, uh, uh, their their safety is questionable. I mean, it, it, there's not really a running game for us at this very moment. Uh, we like Jerome Ford a lot, but they have a really good run defense over there in Tennessee. We have to win this game, and Deshaun has to play well. Because if he gets booed, if there's going to be some booing going on in the stadium, which there will be if he's playing bad, this is yeah. not a good luck to start off. It's week three, and you can't be – getting booed week three. I mean, it's, it's just going to be downhill from there. So we have to win this game. We got to win this game. I'm, I, it might be, I'm not saying that it's a high priority must win, but we have to win this game uh, and head into Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore's playing in Cleveland, so it's more so headed to Baltimore week, right, with being two and one. Hopefully Baltimore, we get a little bit more film with them because you don't know you don't really know what you're seeing uh, when they're beating the Bengals with the injured Joe Burrow and they beat Houston Texans week one. You're not really sure what you're seeing. Uh, so hopefully we get to get more film with them week three and and, and see what and head into the bye week. Hopefully three and one. Um, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. But once again, I mean, guys. There's a lot to unpack, a lot to talk about. I mean, I feel I feel we still probably missed on some points out there, but I mean, just clearly, just get it together. Just get, just get, just get it together. Are there any final thoughts from you guys? Clearly, uh, thirty second thoughts. Do you, Do you guys want to do score predictions real quick? Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, if I'm being honest, nope. quite literally anything nope. could happen. Nope. You know, yeah. You know, back, I, I, back. How about you start? How about you start us off? Give us a little taste of what, what the score prediction is going to be. To, to give us um, a little taste. Well, how it should end up, um, you, you know, I, I, I think that it's probably going to be a low-scoring game. Um, mm. I, I'd, I'd probably say uh, like twenty to thirteen Browns, wow. and that's how it should shake out. But like you said, I mean, I mean, who knows? Um, you, you know, we we know one thing. I do know is that Jim Schwartz and the boys are going to show up. Yeah, the defense is going to be fired up. The yeah. defense is going to draw energy from the crowd, 
and it's going to be loud. Okay. Miles can't go another game without having a fr- without having a sack. Like it's he, just which he was getting a lot of pressure. He was winning a lot of his one on the battles, but that doesn't matter. Doesn't I completely matter. agree. You gotta get in the backfield, bro. Gotta get home. You gotta get home, man. We need pressure on Ryan Tannehill. We really do because we because week one Ryan Tannehill threw three picks, but last week versus San Diego he was surgical twenty for twenty four. He was surgical. We gotta get pressure on him. Uh, Zach, do you want do you want to try for a score prediction now? Or do you I I'm gonna all I'm gonna say is that there's gonna be points. Don't okay. know where it's gonna be. <laughs> um, I, I can't predict anything because all so I'll say is that if you do. If you win this game, yeah, going into Baltimore, or not going into Baltimore, but Baltimore coming here, yeah, is going to feel a little bit. You're going to have a little bit less pressure on you, right? The fans will be more excited. You go in. You have Baltimore come in while we're one and two, and then you have your bye week. And coming out of the bye week is the 49ers. You do so, not want to be in that position. You do not. Simple you, as that. You do not want to have Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> won't I won't be able to see Manny and Steelers game. Uh, but but here's the thing: you you made a beautiful point, Zach. You cannot have Baltimore come to Cleveland and be one and two, and your fans are ready to boo for anything because that's just going to throw you off there's nothing more pleasing to the ear as an opposing team if you hear the home crowd booing and you did you just kick the ball off that's all you did so it's like oh bro all right cool you're not going to be loud against us all right awesome but if we beat tennessee and we if we beat them convincingly like i think we will then we're going to be very loud for Lamar. We're going to be very loud for Lamar. So my final score is is going to be something that's very optimistic. I am going to say that this is the game. If there's any game, if there is any game that it comes together and it clicks, uh, MC saying Browns 19, Titans 13, uh, I'm going to say that the final score is going to be 28 to 10 Browns. And I, I think that it clicks. I think – uh, that the defense is going to stifle Derrick Henry once more and make Ryan Tannehill throw. And we know when Ryan Tannehill throws, just like in week one when he threw for 41 attempts, he had three picks, he gets disgruntled. Let Ryan Tannehill beat us. But we are going to have a field day. We are going to have a field day with their secondary. I truly believe that. I think Deshaun Watson blocking all of these social media uh, play- people as of uh, – as I think of as we're recording this 40 minutes ago, it's going crazy on the airwaves. Make sure you guys aren't blocked by Deshaun <laughs> because he is blocking everyone. He has searched his name and he's blocking everybody. So I think he's just, he's going back into it's me mode. Uh, he might make his account, account private again because he's just going back into just focusing, which you should. It's a good thing. Yeah. You should. It might be a good thing. You don't have to be, you know, friendly to Sean yet until you really get some wins here uh, in Cleveland. So, as always, guys, uh, great show, fantastic. Oh, Mac, you wanted to say something? Yes, um, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram. Not yet. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, follow us. Um, you know, it, we screwed it up last week. Let's see if we can get it. Here we go, Brownies. Here we go. Good boy. All right, go Browns, guys. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.